0: Are you here? (laughs) Well, everyone who is here, please continue to be here, listening to the Paul Leslie Hour. Stay right here. You know, if you're wondering what I've got for you, have no fear, my friends. I'm going to tell you, this interview with Sam Arlen was recorded for the radio back in 2005. Sam Arlen's a saxophonist and the son of a late American composer, Harold Arlen. Our featured guest, Sam Arlen, joined Paul to talk about the legacy of Harold Arlen's songs, like Over the Rainbow, Stormy Weather, Paper Moon. Oh my goodness, Harold Arlen composed some of the greatest songs ever. Mmm, side note. This was a somewhat short phoner also known as a telephone interview and one of Paul's earliest interviews. You may notice he seemed a bit green and it's got that telephone sound, Mm hmm? It's still a fascinating look at Harold Arlen. 2005 was the centennial, a hundred years since the great composer's birth. Harold Arlen passed away in 1986, but tunes like One for my baby and one more for the road and accentuate the positive. Oh, they'll be around forever. Hey, speaking of forever, you can help us keep the Paul Leslie hour going forever. You can continue listening to this show, but it helps a lot if we can rely on regular donations. All you got to do is visit www.com thepaulleslie.com slash support, and you'll see when you get there what you need to do, and we thank you. Okay, gentlemen and ladies, let's hear that interview with Sam Arlen, right here, right
1: now. Hello to Sam Arlen, a musician, the president of SA Music Company, Mr. Arlen is a saxophonist and dedicated to the preservation and perpetuation of Harold Arlen's great songs. 2005 is the centennial of the birth of Mr. Harold Arlen, the writer of songs such as It's Only a Paper Moon, Over the Rainbow, We're Off to See the Wizard, I've Got the World on a String, and the list goes on and on. Hello. How are you, Paul? Good. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me on. One of the things you're trying to do is promote awareness of Harold Arlen's music. Everyone knows Harold Arlen's songs, but they don't necessarily recognize the name.
2: That's true. And a lot of the reasons for that have to do with, number one, he wrote with many different lyricists in his career. So he was not looked at as a writing team, like you would have other composers that immediately associate the team, and they spent their careers together. He'd worked with 16 major lyricists and 32 through his entire career. So that also leads to the fact that his songs do not all sound the same. You have different styles and feels because of the different projects he worked on and the different people he worked with. Also, he was a very quiet man, so he didn't seek the limelight. He'd Rather, his music did the talking for him, which did quite well, but that did nothing to help along with the name.
1: We opened up with a steel drum version of Paper Moon. Paper Moon is probably one of my favorite of all of Harold Arlen's songs. Can you tell us a little bit about the history of that song?
2: That was written in the 30s, and that was written for originally the Great Magoo. And Billy Rose and E.Y. Harburg were the lyricists on that. And that song was recorded by many, many people. One of the probably more famous people was Nat King Cole. He actually recorded the song nine different times in his career. So he sure liked that
1: song a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, being Harold Arlen's son, you hear lots of inspiring stories about his music, uh, and possibly how you know, they've had an effect on someone's life, or or maybe it's a memorable song for them. Could you tell us one of those, uh, or, or something inspiring? Anything you've heard about Harold Arlen's music that you think is worthy of note?
2: heard from many people, as you just said, that over the years that the music meant a lot to them, whether it was reminding them of happier times, helping them through sad times. We've heard from so many people. There are so many different stories. Not one stands out among the other because they're all very touching, but many people have come to us and said that during times of crisis, times of sadness, that the music has pulled them up, and these are the things that we enjoy hearing. And we're glad that people remember the music in such a way and it keeps the music alive. And
1: one of the things that you've been doing to keep the music alive is there's a website with information about Harold Arlen. Actually, there's two. Could you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Sure. HaroldArlen.com and HaroldArlen2005.com. Both sites you can reach from one or the other. So HaroldArlen.com is our original site. And that has an extensive bio on my father talks about his songs. It gives a complete list of his entire catalog, dates, what they were written for, who the lyricists were, which is quite interesting. There's a listening area there so people can hear sound clips of many of his songs. And the 2005 site takes some of those elements and adds on to the performances and different activities and celebrations that are happening around the world for the centennial. So between those two sites, your listeners can get a lot of information on that.
1: What kind of memories do you have of growing up with Harold Ireland?
2: He was always a gentle man. He was always someone that looked for the positive. Anything that he didn't like, he would voice his opinion, but it was never rudely. He never put anybody down. He never put me down for things I wanted to do in my life. He was always encouraging. He wasn't the typical Hollywood uh, dad, so to speak. He wasn't trying to push me out in the forefront. Uh, Actually, he didn't want me to go into music as a career because he didn't want me to have to suffer the way he did, and and people do in this business. It takes a long time before you can make a name for yourself and get around, if you can at all. But he was always encouraging. And that's how he was with everybody that he worked with, and in all our travels, we Met people that knew him personally or had relatives or friends that had worked with him in the studios and on films, etc. And everyone said the same thing. He was always a gentleman. He was always someone who was there to give constructive criticism, advice when he was asked, never a busybody. He was truly a very good quality person.
1: What do you think it was that kept Harold Island as such a prolific songwriter?
2: A lot of innate talent, I think. He just, he never wanted to be a songwriter. He wanted to be a vocalist. He was a singer early on. And he continued to sing throughout his career. But he never really looked at himself as wanting to write a song. And that really happened by accident. And that accident turned out to be his first hit in 1929 with Ted or Get Happy. But it was just something that, that inspiration he always said between the projects and the people you work with gift board. Many times he could write songs, famous songs, that he would knock off in a half hour or less. He would just sit there. The ideas would come to him, or because of the project, the the title of a movie or a show, he'd be working with his lyricist, and sometimes that song would be right there, completed, done, and finished. Uh, One of the many that he did like that was also with Ted Kola's Stormy Weather, which he wrote for the comic club. Ethel Waters was the first one to record that. They had that song completed in under a half hour. It's just something special that certain people can do, and he was one of those that could just, when when that moment strikes and he has something to do, it was there.
1: Out of all the songs she's written, do you have a personal favorite?
2: I have many. Um, the two that always come to mind are Stormy Weather and Last Night When We Were Young. Those are the two that I would say are my favorite, and Stormy Weather because of that combination of melody and lyric. It's a great song. And last night when we were young, and that's a lyric by E.Y. Harburg, who wrote the lyrics for the Wicked of Oz songs. Uh, That's a very poignant, very lovely melody and lyric. And those two stick out more than the others to me.
1: I was looking at, uh, you know, you mentioned, um, we were talking earlier about Ned King Cole having covered Paper Moon. So many people have covered his songs. And I, like, for example, Over the Rainbow, it's, I just saw so many people have covered that. Do you have any idea how many people have covered, for example, Over the Rainbow?
2: No idea. I couldn't even begin to guess. It's been done thousands of times worldwide. All the songs have been done worldwide. And even when I did my album, Arlen Plays Arlen, covering, picking 13 songs out of 550-something songs that my father wrote who was not an easy task. And people ask me also, how does it feel to record songs that have already been recorded so many times by the greats? And I'm going to say what I say to people and younger people that want to do the music. You don't compare yourself with anybody. You take the song, you take it for what the song is saying, both lyrically and melodically, and you put yourself into it. As such. And that's why I believe the songs have lasted as long as they have and will always be in that great American songbook and standards because of the beauty of melody and the beauty of lyric. I
1: was listening to the uh, the Harry Connick Jr. version of If I Only Had a Brain. And one of the things about that song, and so many of the songs from The Wizard of Oz is you might not realize when you watch the movie, as as powerful as the, the music was in the movie itself, I think a lot of times people neglect to realize what outstanding compositions they were. With that song, for example, because it's in a, a movie that maybe at one time was considered a children's movie, we we neglect to realize what a songwriter he was
2: that very well may be the case a lot of the motion pictures that Harold worked on were not popular the most popular really were The Wizard of Oz and The Star is Born but there were a lot of other motion pictures that he worked on and out of every motion picture songs became standard different performers like Frank Sinatra and Tony Bennett and Streisand and Ella and the big bands would pick these songs up and they would take life of their own So, in some ways, you are correct. Because it was in a film, and early on, and perhaps it wasn't looked at in some ways as a children's film, the recognition of the songwriting skills were not apparent at that moment. And then again, so many other songs that people couldn't tell you what film they came from or who originally sang them have gone on to become beloved standards. So very often, how we first hear a song or perceive it, if it's something in a film or in a show, etc., that very often is how it lingers in our mind and what it means to us.
1: I was listening to the the Ray Charles and Johnny Mathis cover of Over the Rainbow. Have you uh, heard from lots of people that have mentioned that particular recording, I guess because it's somewhat somewhat special because Ray Charles is no longer with us
2: A lot of people have commented on that. And especially when you have people that you wouldn't think would record your song. Johnny Mathis, of course, his song, his style lends itself to that. Ray Charles, it does so many wonderful songs and versions of songs, even though he's known a little bit more for that kind of gutsy R&B flavor. But he, he does beautiful, beautiful ballads. And that combination between his voice and Johnny's was magnificent. Another song similar was B.B. King and Eric Clapton doing Come Rain or Come Shine. And when people first heard that, the same thing, they said, have you heard that song? And again, looking at Eric Clapton and his background and B.B. King and his background, you bring these two people together and they did a great rendition of it. So it's really wonderful when people from the different genres of music can take a song. And again, what I was saying earlier, you bring something of yourself in.
1: You're a saxophone player, and you have your own musical uh, projects. You perform. You run the SA Music Company. Tell us a little bit about your own musical career.
2: I started playing sax when I was 12 years old, and I attended the High School Performing Arts in New York City. And during that time, I was working with a small bands, and then started working at the famed Roseland ballroom in New York City with the big bands that would come in. And after high school, I continued on with the big bands and then had my own groups and performed. But not too many years later, I formed my publishing company, my first publishing company, and that took a lot of time away from performing professionally. So I would play for my own enjoyment, do private parties, get together with friends when I could to play. But I missed the performance I divide my time between that and performing, but I'm glad I'm back to performing.
1: What do you think it was that Harold Arlen wanted to accomplish the most with his music?
2: Very good question, and not such an easy answer. He wanted—he always wanted to write a song better than the last one that he did. He wanted to be able to when he wrote something, he wanted it to be lasting. He wanted it to be memorable. He didn't write something with the idea of it being popular. Now, that's kind of funny when I just said that he wanted to be lasting. But he never wrote in a a, a simple style. He never wrote in the style that was popular over the different years that he was writing. Uh, his mentor and good friend George Gershwin always said that Harold wrote too complicated for the average listener, that his melody should be a little simpler. But Harold wrote what he felt. And he wrote a song and he wrote in a style and how he wanted to write what he felt the song was saying along with the lyrics that were being put to these melodies. And he wanted his work to be memorable. I think he would be
1: many people over the last year, in print media, radio, television, what I'd like to ask you is, since this program goes out all over the world, what would you like to say to the world?
2: I would like them to listen to the music, I'd like them to know, to recognize the name along with the song, that's why our website, haroldarland.com, is such a wonderful thing and a big help for people to get to know, because your listeners will recognize the music. They'll know the titles. They'll know the songs when they hear them. Now, I'd love them to know who wrote them, who put the pen to paper that that created these wonderful melodies. And for young performers out there that are that are coming into the business, that are doing different types of music, to embrace these tunes and to discover them, discover the the richness of melody, the richness of
0: Thank you for stopping by today. If you enjoyed our program, consider telling a friend about it. The Paul Leslie Hour is made possible through people just like you. So you want to keep the show going, right? Go to thepaulesley.com. That's thepaulesley.com. Click on Support the Show. And thanks to everyone who contributes performance of the intro music is courtesy of John Primorano, the entertainer, written by Scott Joplin. End credit theme music is courtesy of John Primorano, the traditional song, Corina, Corina. Your announcer is Dan Gold. Hey, that's me! The show is hosted and produced by Paul Leslie. And we'll see you next time on the Paul Leslie Hour.